You are listening to This Is Spinal Crap, the podcast about living well with a spinal cord injury. Remember, if you heard it on This Is Spinal Crap, it's probably not medically correct, so always check with your spinal unit or an appropriate medical professional. This Is Spinal Crap is sponsored by Colourplast, providing effective solutions for bladder and bowel management. Hello, Spinal Croppers, and welcome to a very special show. Uh, this episode is going to be a little bit different to our usual episodes because we're teaming up with the Spinal Injuries Association to bring you four special episodes in the wake of the coronavirus outbreak. Now, if you're listening to this at the time of the outbreak or soon afterwards, the chances are that you're already sick of listening to news updates and stats. So we promise you we won't have any of that. Um, and if you're listening at any other time, then all of the discussions we're having on these specials are still relevant because we're going to be talking about things that apply to a lot of people, virus or no virus. Now, usually we bring you shows that are aimed at an audience, a spinal cord injured audience, their friends, their families and the people who work with people with spinal cord injuries. This show, however, is not necessarily about helping spinal cord injured people. It's about how spinal cord injured people or those of us with any kind of disability can now help others. So we understand about isolation. We understand about restricted movements. Um, And so for those of us who are self-isolating or in lockdown or for anybody who finds themselves isolated for whatever reason, we've been there. And this is our chance to help you cope with potentially long periods of isolation and maybe to also help you put all of this into perspective. Today, you have the pleasure, as always, of listening to me, Ruth Early, and I'm delighted to welcome back Grace Spence-Green. Gracie, hi. Hello. Um, you've had an infection, so you haven't been able to record with us recently. So how are you feeling now? I'm doing okay, actually. Isolation's been helping quite a lot because it's forced me to stay inside and rest. So that's that's one bonus, I guess. Great. And are you feeling, has the infection cleared? Or are you feeling better now? At the moment, at the moment, touch wood. <laughs> okay, brilliant, brilliant. And we should point out now that we're not in the studio. Uh, both myself and Grace are self-isolating. Um, so please forgive the sound quality if it's not up to our usual standards because we're recording this remotely. Um, so as I mentioned, we are partnering up with SIA who have been working tirelessly to support people with spinal cord injury throughout this crisis and always, um, but they're just particularly important at the moment. Um, we're delighted to welcome to the show Nick Hartley, the CEO of SIA. Hello, Nick. Hi, Ruth. It's very nice to be here with you guys. Yeah, lovely to have you. I mean, and I don't know, should I introduce you as Nick Hartley or should I say Mr. Nick Hartley OBE? Definitely the former. We'll try and keep that bit low key. <laughs> well, I'm very impressed by it. I think you're the first person with an OBE we've had on the show. <laughs> you've, you've actually just barely made it because we did have somebody who was scheduled for our live shows who has an OBE, but unfortunately all our live shows have now been cancelled. <laughs> there, there we go. It's an incredible honour to, to have an OBE, so congratulations. Thank you. And perhaps... Slightly ironically for the chat that we're going to be having, it uh, it was partly related to work of mobilizing mass community responses across Africa and West Africa, particularly on the Ebola crisis um, and how to get young people within their own countries to go onto the front line and do prevention work in an Ebola crisis. And so hopefully um, I can bring a bit of that experience into what is now a crisis at the heart of the UK. That is that is brilliant, and you're exactly the, the kind of person, people that we need um, at, at the moment. Um, you, you're not only the first person with an OBE on the show; you're also the first able-bodied person that we've had a, as a guest on the show. I feel humbled, privileged, and always reminded I'm only an ally. And I feel like we're finally diversifying. That we've been like <laughs> you're prejudice against able-bodied people up until now. I have never been described as being in a diverse group, so I'm pleased to have made it. <laughs> well, we're glad to have you here and we're glad to have you um, at the helm of SIA during this time because you're... Oh, thanks. Yeah, very valuable knowledge and you're an authority on what's happening, um, particularly within the SCI community. So we're glad to have you on the show. Thank you for coming along. No problem. Um, another very special guest joining us today, and I don't know who's more excited about this, myself or Grace, 
Uh, we're big followers and thrilled to be able to welcome disability activist, TV presenter for Channel 4, social entrepreneur and global ambassador for Toyota. It's Sophie Morgan. Welcome, Sophie. Hi, guys. Hello. Thank you for having me. Lovely to speak with you all. Yeah, it's lovely to have you. We're really excited. Me and Grace were talking yesterday. We were getting a little bit fangirl about it. <laughs> Yeah, sure, sure. You weren't supposed to say that. <laughs> oh, you know, we always admit our fangirl things on this show, don't we? <laughs> I love it. I, I, I'm quite relieved this is just audio. I'm blushing. I'm blushing. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, thank you for having me. It's a really exciting topic. I think it's one that I'm really ready to talk about because it's just been so interesting watching the world go into meltdown. Celebrities panicking about being at home for five minutes and see how this is such a lived experience for us. I mean, of course, we've got to put it into context, the fear that's gripping everybody in the wider context. But actually, when it comes to just quarantine, I think we are the pros at this. So it's a fun thing to start to chat about and how we can help other people. I'm really, really looking forward to this chat. Yeah, and it's actually quite empowering, isn't it, to feel like, you know, because we're often the people who have needed help. Um, and of course, we still will, will need help from time to time. But it was really nice to be able to actually um, give something to other people. It does, you know, and I don't know about you guys, but I've had so, lots of friends, you know, in touch on on and saying things like, gosh, I'm going crazy. Day three is I've got in cabin fever. And I'm just a bit like, yeah, no, I, I've been here. I, you know, I can offer you some help, actually. Have you done this, this and this? And I, and it's just been really interesting to, to have the tables turn a little bit and to be the ones that often, I suppose, people might categorize as the ones that need help. Um, of course, like you say, we do need help. But, you know, to be able to offer it back in return is such a welcome thing so it feels very familiar in lots of ways so it's nice to have this chat now here today with you lot and talk about how we can help other people yeah absolutely absolutely nick um we, you are now you've been with sia for how long now just over a year okay great we've been we've been we met you early on after it started and we've we've been kind of wanting to partner up for quite a while now um uh, us with, with sia but it's unfortunate that it's under these circumstances but we are really happy to be able to do it and to be able to spread some positivity and optimism at the moment um as i mentioned at the, sh- at the top of the show uh, this is spinal crap and spinal injuries association have decided to work together to bring four new episodes that have pretty universal themes but are particularly timely during the outbreak and as part of our work together we're opening a cafe so this that sounds crazy at the moment but you heard us right when all the cafes of the world are closing down the spinal crap cafe will be open for business so don't go panicking about social distancing because it is a virtual cafe and we're hoping to open it every tuesday and thursday um, together with SIA and uh, we're going to have some really special guests and it will be a place to come and chat, socialise and check in with each other. We'll be meeting some really interesting people um, and we'll have lots to chat about and we'll have plenty of spinal crap type fun games and activities um, and Sophie is going to be with us for one of the episode, for one of the, the uh, cafe sessions. So Grace, how can people get an invite to the cafe? So, um, if you want to get involved, I think the best thing is to email us at thisisspinalcrap at gmail.com and then we can send you the details of how to like join this online forum. Nick, thank you so much for, for joining us. Uh, the Spinal Injury Association has been really brilliant in providing like a lot of detailed information to people with spinal cord injuries at this quite stressful time. Um, could you tell us a bit more about where people can go to find um, kind of information and support online during this crisis? For sure, yeah. So just to start with, um, I'm the least of the bodies in this uh, in SIA. It's been my staff and our volunteers were amazing from day one when we were getting the HR rules book, rule book out on who do we need to protect. I just got email after email from my staff and conversation after conversation saying, our duty is to support 50,000 people across the country who are going to be at high risk in this uh, coronavirus time. So we made the decision to pretty much redeploy nearly all of our staff to be a virtual support for um, people with spinal cord injury who are worried as we're seeing through uh, all of our different social media and contacts and emails and phone lines. 
mostly about am I more vulnerable? Am I more susceptible to this virus? If I do get it, what happens if I end up in a hospital that doesn't know how to look after somebody with spinal cord injury? Um, uh, what happens if my carers disappear off the face of the earth because of their concerns with coronavirus? I'm now talking of isolation, stuck in my house, but I don't have a carer, particularly for people with higher level injuries. So we are nine to five opening up our normal advice line, which is 0800 980 All of this is on our website. Um, and in that, we are um, going to now have available five nurses to triage straight to who will give advice on what do you do when you go to hospital? How do you avoid the infection in the first place? What to do with carers, managing bowel, bladder, skin and all of that. So we're going to give direct access to five nurses, almost in a kind of one, one, one style. Just to be clear and a bit boring. Um, I know this is a, a fun and important and informal space. We won't be able to give advice about the virus itself. That's not our expertise. But what we can help people with is the implications for the condition that people face. So that's the phone line. We've also set up a landing page where we're putting pieces of advice and briefings. We are even doing briefings for healthcare professionals, people who are brilliant in the world of the virus and protecting people and in emergency care, but might not know how to um, handle and support somebody who has a spinal cord injury. So we'll be putting more advice sheets there. Um, and all of that is on our website. It's a coronavirus landing page. Um, and you can find all of that. And indeed, anything that we're doing together through the cafe, Tuesday and Thursday, we'll advertise it. And so we're using the hashtag coronavirus SCI. So anything in our social media is coronavirus SCI um, that you can find any of the information we're passing on. And finally, as you've said, Ditto, we want to make this about as many organizations as possible that can provide support because this is about isolation. This is about concern. This is about anxiety. This is about how do I manage my day to day? So we're going to be talking to people who are gardening experts. We're going to have physios. We're going to have people doing online, keeping yourself healthy and all that kind of stuff. So lots of exciting things. And we're really excited to kind of launch all of this with you guys because there's no better place than getting into that well-being space. He says, blowing smoke than spinal crap. <laughs> That's fantastic. Brilliant. Amazing, Nick. Well, we'll do our best. And it's important. I mean, one of the other big things as well as advice is advocacy. Um, so many people are ringing us up saying, can you help me because I don't know or I'm not getting the response I need. So things like getting in touch with the health service and making sure people realize that spinal cord injured people need to be in that top critical category. So we've now had confirmation from NHS England just this week that that is indeed now the case, that anybody who got in touch with 111 can state that they're spinal cord injured and that immediately puts them in a category of being looked after properly. Um, so that, you know, we'll keep going and we'll keep fighting. I think that's, that's really great. I think a lot of people are kind of concerned and confused. I've, I've seen about the, the kind of term at risk. And there's a lot of uh, debate about whether people with spinal cord injuries are at risk or not. And um, that's brilliant that you've got all this um, information online. Yeah. And, and the starting point is there's no evidence that somebody's more likely to get the infection than anyone else. But as you've introduced this, um, as one of my colleagues said, welcome to our world. You know, in many ways, um, so many of you would say, I wake up any more, every morning knowing that if people have a common cold in my office, I'm going to be the one that ends up with pneumonia. So for the whole country to be now told that there's a virus that might lead to pneumonia is something that in some ways, spinal cord injured people, you know, are as experienced at this as anyone else. They know very well, you guys know very well that ending up in a hospital is the last place you want to be. So prevention is, you know, nine tenths of the law um, because of the risks of pressure sores, because of the risks of bladder infections and so on. And so this is almost it's just part of the package. And so, no, the top line isn't you're more at risk, but the top line is we almost it's about educating the health staff and educating people to realize that this is a group that day to day already if they get a common cold, 
you know, if, if you're tetraplegic and you need help coughing, this is a big issue for a common cold, let alone coronavirus. So that's what we're trying to support with to get that information out there and get more than just the spinal cord injury community knowing it. And I think what you touched on there, this is Sophie, I was just thinking what you're saying there, Nick, is like that actually the lived experience for many of us is one where we do protect ourselves and think about what we need to do to make sure that we're safe on a day-to-day basis long before the virus was um, uh, gripping the whole, you know, the global the, the global pandemic was in play. So we do know how to do that. And it is about educating other people about how to do the same things <laughs> that we're already doing, um, but also how to best protect us. So there's a, it's all about right now information, isn't it? The spreading of the right information. Yeah, it absolutely is, isn't it? Um, and this idea of being vulnerable, Sophie, it, it's something that you've been talking about a lot. Um, we've been we've been following you on on social media and your your thoughts about vulnerable people. So can you uh, flesh that out for us? Absolutely. Well, I think because this word is being thrown around so much right now in the news and the media, of the, this is the type of group of people that we need to be all protecting, and some of us fall into that category. And I want, I, I can't help but think that this us versus them idea that there's that, that group, um, as the one that needs to be protected by everybody else. I find that I'm a little bit at odds with that because from my experience, a, as somebody who falls into that category, um, but also from somebody who knows many, many people in this category, I would not say that we are, I'd say that we are probably a lot more of the, uh, the vulnerable are probably sometimes considered more, in my, my opinion, stronger than many other people because of the nature in which we, the way in which we have to live. And so I did a post yesterday um, where I tried to articulate my thoughts on this, um, which is that because disabled people, vulnerable people, people with um, underlying health conditions, um, all of the rest, I'm going to group it into vulnerable, okay, as, as everybody else is, this vulnerable group live with uncertainty, live with fear, have to fight for their rights. There's already pre-existing barriers to so many things that um, we have to deal with all the time that in many ways, the way that we adapt to the world, I think positions us in the community in society as the stronger. Um, and from personally, from my experience, having been on bed rest for a huge amount of time, um, I was nearly, nearly three years on bed rest with a complication I had first, when I first had my injury. I had a really difficult time. I basically, to explain actually, this is the perfect community to explain this to because many other people when I explain it kind of go, what? But um, I, I had a, I, I'm a complete injury. I'm a T6 complete injury and I had just been injured and I didn't really know how best to look after myself. And I sat on a pub bench and the splinter from the pub bench went into my right bum cheek. And I, I wasn't very good at checking my skin at that point And I didn't really know what I was doing, but I found the splinter, a big lump about maybe two or three days later. And I went to a doctor and the nurse put a plaster, took it off, put a plaster on it. But unfortunately they said to leave it on for a a week and come back. And I developed an abscess because I was allergic to the material in the plaster. And then the abscess had to be removed. And without getting too gross for everybody listening, (laughs) um, I had to stay off that pressure area until it healed, but it healed really badly. And no one recommended a debridement or anything like that. So it took years for it to heal because the abscess was when it once removed was quite a bit considerable hole. And in the years since that time, since the wound healed, I've now got a bit compromised in that area. So I've spent days and weeks and even months since then uh, in periods of bed rest, like many of us with spinal injury, this is normal, you know, spending time laid up or out of action or at home is normal. And I, I can't help but think at this time that puts positions us in a place of, of, it's very familiar with this isolation, this quarantining is very familiar to us. And therefore I feel we're stronger. And I, I got incensed yesterday when I started watching some social media posts by people who don't consider themselves at risk. So they're very much like, oh, this isn't my problem. This is for the vulnerable. You know, we need to protect, this isn't about me. And I, I, there's only them, the only them. And I just found myself thinking, Grace, this is so interesting, this time that us versus them, ableism that is proliferating right now. And actually, look, you are the, you are the vulnerable, in my opinion, because actually you have no 
idea how to manage this kind of situation mentally and physically. And, and, and we do. So I know that's a long answer to your question, but I, I hope that can't go some way to explaining how I feel about this, that I just think that vulnerability is strength and learning how to adapt to all these conditions, you know, having your life pulled away from you and having everything that you know, turn on its head and having to prioritize your health and the health of others is something we know, we know well, and I think that makes us stronger. I really like um, how you said that in your video, uh, Sophie, about how the vulnerable um, are strong in this case and resilient. Um, Alice Wong, who's a disability activist, um, she said on Twitter yesterday, we are the modern day oracles, which I really liked because um, I feel like we can be seen as a really valuable resource in this time, actually. I saw that too and I loved it. And I thought also, I saw somebody where the, you know, people are becoming at the moment, they are experiencing disability for the first time. And yes, okay, that's very complicated. And of course, the disability is not one straightforward concept, but some of the very, very normal for familiar day-to-day activities that we have to deal with and the ways in which we have to deal with it, um, people are experiencing for the first time. So I hope that will give us an empathy. And I know we're not going to talk yet just now about where this might go for us and what that might, what, what, uh, the consequences of people experiencing our lived experience (laughs) might mean for us. But I do think it's just so interesting that disabled people can offer more now to an insight on how to manage this particular situation. Um, do you think it's like, because we're in such a unique situation, do you think that able-bodied people kind of getting a new perspective on how disabled people live, do you think it could lead to change in the future? Because I've been kind of curious about, because it, it seems like coronavirus proves that we need a, an accessible society, really. I could not be more hopeful right now. I agree. I think that there's something interesting about what we're seeing. So, is this going to be an opportunity for businesses? Say, say, let's take an example. Your retailers right now are opening up dedicated shopping hours to, in inverted commas, the vulnerable, which includes the disabled. And um, But they have no idea how to put that into play. The, how do they identify disabled people? And where do they, and, and do we bring a spending power when we come in? Is that going to change the way retailers start catering for us? Is that going to lead to something? Are businesses going to start adapting the way in which they employ people who need to work from home occasionally or have more flexible hours? And, you know, we're seeing some of the rights that we have campaigned for, some of the the system changes that we have wanted for years are happening, are happening now. Um, Sick pay is increasing and benefits are coming out quicker and loads of different things are happening. So, could this be because other people are experiencing what we have been experiencing for years? Now the wider population is experiencing that. Could this? Could these changes happen quickly? Could they happen and last? You know, it's 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 a question we don't know the answer to yet. But I feel hopeful. I've been finding it really interesting, um, kind of the technology um, in this scenario. Like, there's been so many. Um, like schools are creating online resources, universities are putting everything online. There's like interactive tutorials people are doing all the time. And it just, it feels like there's this whole wealth of technology that people are suddenly using. Again, it's the adapting, isn't it? Things are being adapted for for this situation. And the, the, the consequences, the benefits of that is how they can but help our communities. Um, and it's exci- exciting. I mean, I, I was uh, talking to Sainsbury's the day before yesterday in, in light of what the, the measures they put in place to help people in that sh- early morning shopping hour. And uh, one of the questions they said was, look, we, we really want to be able to target dis- our disabled customers so we can help them and get to them and prioritize them and give them what they need. So equipment and you know food or whatever it is that they really need access to, to make sure they're safeguarded. But how do we approach them? It was the question they asked me. How do I approach them? How do we find them? And I thought, what a brilliant question. And how do we, how do I answer that? What are the technologies in place right now that disabled people are using that can be utilized to help them further? So, um, there's a lot of questions being asked and it's an interesting time for us to come back and step up and answer them for ourselves, um, as opposed to people providing solutions that don't always work for us. (laughs) This time we might be able to provide those solutions ourselves. Keeping this open, I was wondering what you guys, how, how I've never considered myself a vulnerable person. I don't, I, in the sense that my disability is, I know how to manage it and how to care for myself. And how does it sit with you? How do you feel right now about being in that category? And do do you identify yourself as as being, um, 
a vulnerable person and or how do you feel about what's going on right now in terms of the way other people might think of looking after you or you looking after other people? I certainly do not identify as vulnerable in any way. Um, but I think a lot of that is about mental attitude as well to it. Um, I very much see myself as like, how can I help, you know, send stuff up to my local food bank? And I, I don't kind of differentiate between vulnerable or not vulnerable, however that may be broken down. Yeah, absolutely. And it's coming to that down to language here, isn't it? And and it's it's so we need to get down into the detail. And and what for what for the first time in a while, I keep feeling I work a lot of the work that I do is is in consultancy that is is trying to encourage businesses to see that we are um of value a disabled customer okay um and trying to understand what our needs are and how they can help us and what spending power we have but one of the things that always comes back to me is look we don't know who's disabled in our communities because they don't identify themselves necessarily so people don't want to say they're disabled they don't want to be identified that way so but are we seeing for the first time now a real need to identify your disability, to identify your needs so that they can be met more effectively? And will that change the psyche around coming out as a disabled person? It's something that as wheelchair users, we don't need to think about all that often, but I wonder what that might mean for our communities. Um, and again, I don't have a conclusion on my thoughts. I'm just, I'm thinking so much about how this is going to impact us. And I do feel the same as you there. I don't feel I'm vulnerable. I want to help. I want to use my experience of, of being on bed rest and being disabled and having to prioritize health all the time to support others. But I do really want to support, to see how the government's going to respond to this and how decision makers and policy makers are going to have to adapt to, to, to meet the needs of disabled people. You, you make an absolutely brilliant point and um, and uh, this is definitely something that we'll have to keep an eye on and discuss um, into the future. And I think definitely at the cafe when um, when we had you in at the cafe and uh, we'll probably have guests who have who have many questions around this or suggestions or ideas. I do think that this is where um, organisations like SIA will come in um, really like beyond this uh, pandemic when things settle down. I think that's where the advocacy it can be. There can be a lot more pressure put on organisations, on supermarkets, around and businesses, and on government. It's like we're creating a. It's, so this is a bit extreme, but one of the things that I said the other day um, on social media, and I've had a really positive response to, is that self-isolating by choice is a privilege. That for many of us, this is something that's enforced upon us for health reasons. Now, the extreme end of this is something that I've witnessed in other countries where disabled people are actually chained up or hidden away against their will because of the stigmas attached or the lack of health care or whatever it might be. There's multiple reasons for why disabled people can be um, socially distanced. And so bringing that to people's awareness is so easy now because they've experienced a tiny little bit of what it might feel like <laughs> to be in quarantine. So given that, I feel this is a really wonderful opportunity for disabled people's organizations to come back and push their agenda in a, in a context now, in an environment now where people are going to be more empathetic and more understanding. And I wonder if we'll start to see a shift from looking to leaders who, ha who are just strong um, but lo or looking to communities who have come from that you know, vulnerable position as the influencers. I think they can offer a lot more into a community that's going to be coming out of this a little bit shell-shocked. <laughs> Sophie, you have a lot of um, really, really good um, arguments. And I think a lot of people are going to want to hear more about that. So can you tell us where we can find you on social media? Yes, uh, I'm mostly on uh, Instagram, actually. Um, so uh, L Morg. So S O P H L M O R G. So for L Morg. Um, I'm on Twitter a little bit. I've been more on it lately because of what's going on. So for Morg TV. Um, and I'm not really on Facebook all that much, but those are, those are the main areas. And I really, really want to react, interact with people more on, on, on social media at the moment. I'm finding it really interesting to sort of just gathering. I love the galvanizing that's happening between the disabled community right now. And I, I also want to try and see how we as a higher income country for people with from higher income homes can help those that are going to be coming up from the lower income communities where, so say like developing countries where there's still disabilities prevalent, 
if not more prevalent than many other countries that are developing. How are they going to cope? How is someone with a spinal cord injury in India going to cope with this compared to someone um, in London? You know, there's so many different uh, challenges and I want, I want to make sure that we can all help each other. So yes, <laughs> that's what social media is good for. <laughs> Well, this, uh, briefly then, in terms of practicality, guys, does anybody have any um, advice for people or tips on how they can actually survive the next few weeks slash months? I mean, what are the most important things that we need to be telling people? I think um, coming from being um, fairly recently injured, I feel like I had to create, I kind of I had to reach out a lot to a kind of create a community online for myself, a disabled community. Um, and that was really important to me. And I feel like that is more important now, more than now than ever having people I can reach out to online and on social media and talk to. Um, so I think that's a really important thing is to reach out at this time. Don't kind of, I think it can be very easy. like, even if, especially if you're living alone um, to feel very isolated from everyone and everything. And so I think reaching out is very important. Yeah, even though we're talking about social distancing, I think people need to distinguish between that and physical distancing because physically we should be distancing, but socially we need to be coming closer together, don't we? Yeah, one of our catchphrases that we're using at SIA and we'll be bringing into some of the work that we're going to do with you guys is this together in isolation, um, that we're, we couldn't be more all together in this. Um, you know, you guys have been talking a lot about the experiences of disability that we're all now having a micro moment of kind of experience it. And, and it's, it's fascinating. And one of the things people are uh, communicate, communicate, yes, be together. One thought is also reflect, write things down. Let's, you know, no peeps would write a diary about this. You know, let's, let's, let's write it down and remind ourselves. Let's not forget when we're next mocking people on boats coming from Syria and trying to claim that they're not in fact in trouble at all and are they faking it? Just remember how we reacted when all we lost was a bit of toilet roll and um, pasta in the shops. Look how this supposedly sophisticated, amazing, you know, first world country, seventh richest in the on the planet, responds en masse to the thought that they might not be able to get their cheese for the evening. And we, we should all reflect on it because maybe for a second, just for a second, we might realize that we're never looking through the lens of the other person and we're getting a brief glimpse. And I'm so glad you mentioned international development because obviously that's my roots. You know, during the Ebola crisis, we tried so hard to get the media to talk about the amazing work of young Sierra Leoneans who volunteered to go onto the front line to do preventative health overnight, unqualified, said they'd do it. I go to the papers and say, is this not a story? But no, they still wanted to just keep plastering the headlines of, will we all get it in the UK? It kind of comes back to us. And I think this is a chance to go, it isn't about us. And that might even change our behavior towards the shops and towards isolation. You know, I love the rainbows that my daughter is in. Just overnight came up with the idea of why don't all the children just draw a rainbow in their window? So if you are allowed out on a walk, you could just count the rainbows in windows and be reminded that your friends are inside there. And what a you know, easy way to just have a reflective moment here and there so that we know, of course, we're together. You know, this, we're in the most technological time of our lives where we can have this conversation and none of us are in the same room. Um, but we're not we're not celebrating that. We're only looking at, as you said, you know, us as vulnerable people, as opposed to we have skills in isolation and we'd love to share them with you. And therefore, let's get that cafe open and start sharing ideas. And I think that the, like, the cafe is definitely a place where people can build that community that you were talking about, Gracie. I found now, uh, so my, my family are in Ireland and my brother has um, invited me to this quiz night that they're doing now every night. So it's like, and there's a group from all over Ireland and now there's actually a team from London, but I'm on the, my brother's team from Ireland. But it's basically, we just, we just WhatsApp call each other every night. We've got a half an hour to do a round of a table quiz and send our answers back. And it's just a little conversation every night night and that has 
it's such a small thing and it's such a first world thing that we can do and that we have the luxury of doing. But the changes that's made to me, knowing that, because I live alone, knowing that I have that kind of social interaction to look forward to every evening is, is pretty massive. That's really lovely. I love that. I love the rainbow. I hadn't heard of that. That's brilliant. I think and going back to your point, I would add that that diarizing of things and writing things down and, and thinking about and reflecting on what's happening and also just reminding yourself what's important. I think that's really what's happening as well. I, I don't know about you guys, but it's, it's one of those things that I always reflect on when I had to go into bed rest for a prolonged period is just how what's important, you know, family and contact with your friends in whatever form and making sure your health's priority and you just think that if we're globally all having to sit and address that there's going to be such a shift it's going to be interesting to see how we come out of it um but like i think the most important thing right now is like you say find your community wherever however you can and reach out and learn from each other and support each other and it's just such a privilege i think to be able to reach out like we are to each other now and be able to help each other so easily, so easily. And I find a massive comfort in that. I think it's wonderful. Having spent years on my own (laughs) on bed rest with no one else and watching the world carry on as it is, it's something quite nice about us all being in the same boat. And I do think as well, we're seeing some interesting adaptions in terms of work and how we can still maintain work and businesses stretching to or adapting to uh, needs to work from home, how that could impact us as well. And so for many of us, some fears are being taken away and that we're not going to lose our, well, some of us are losing our jobs, but you know what I mean? If you can retain your job, you can do it from a different place. And that's really cool as well. So I'm finding as well that there's so much kindness and love being shared at the moment. I mean, I know since, even if we look at like, since the the whole, uh, the unfortunate passing of, of Caroline Flack and the whole be kind movement and everybody trying to see the world in a slightly different way and being a bit kinder to each other. That's really, I find that's really evident. I mean, I have a... Okay, can I ask a question to you here, Ruth, though? Because is that in our community that we're being kind? Because I've had a number of friends say to me, gosh, everyone's, where's the hashtag be kind? It's now hashtag take all the toilet paper and everyone eat for themselves. I don't know. Is this an echo chamber that perhaps we're in because we are disabled and we uh, are looking out for each other and we know how to? I'm putting that to you. I have no answer. I just find, because you do see the news and you do see people being insanely selfish at times when we really need to be selfless and, you know, people stealing masks and people not giving hand sanitizer to those who need it and actually people taking advantage of some of the systems as systems that are being put in place for disabled and vulnerable people, you know, going to that allocated shopping hour when you shouldn't be. Um, so, I, I sorry to interrupt you, but I just wondered what you thought about that. Is do you think that actually everyone is being kinder, or are we just being kinder because we get this? Well, I think that's actually a brilliant point, and I think there are some people out there. Obviously, I mean, I don't know who these people are though. Anybody I speak to is like, I can't get past that. I can't. But I, I have just found in my networks, and I don't mean in my disabled networks. I mean, for example, in my work, there's a, a group. You know, there's a a group of us who, you know, we know each other through work and that is all. And now every message that has been sent, it's that people are sending love. They're sending that love. They're actually using the word love. They're calling to see if they can help. You know, I'm more than likely going to lose my job in the next couple of weeks, but I know that I'm still going to get messages from those girls every day. And, you know, I had my neighbors call to see, did I need any help with the shopping? And even though I'm very able compared to so many people with a spinal cord injury and I'm, I'm, you know, mostly able to fend for myself it is so nice to just have people actually thinking about you and and I think that on probably on an individual basis that's the experience that I've had on an individual basis I've seen so much kindness and so many phone calls so many video messages I'm having virtual lunches with friends and things like that so I've seen a lot of kindness. Sophie one one thought I've had in all of this is about leadership because that we'll never know how many people are on the kind side of actions and we'll never know who are the ones that are stealing all the toilet roll. But we can decide which of those is going to get the most volume, which of those is going to be the subject of the day. And, you know, we we all respond to a media that dictates how we speak. I go back to the Ebola headlines. I go to the headlines that we reach every day. What adjectives are the media deciding to use? 
Is it shock, terror, shut down, hell, um, terrible? Are we, are we a self-fulfilling prophecy? And I think it's beholden on us not to be passive and kind. And I'm a great believer, having worked in the third sector, that it is that charities' roles are as much about voice and power and influence and change as they are on treating people as beneficiaries. If a charity is saying, we work with 50,000 spinal cord injured people because we help them, as opposed to, it is our duty to enable the voice of 50,000 amazing human beings who get what's happening at the moment, and that their voice needs to be louder than the other one, then the answer to your question will be, kind will win, because kind will be the predominant voice. So it's our duty as the third sector to work with the media sector to say, how can we persuade you to tell this story? And there's lots of good viral stuff. I enjoy the humor. I love the videos that go around to make us all giggle of what everybody's doing in their home. But where are the videos of inspiration? Where is the leadership? Where is the rhetoric? And of course, not to be political, there are a few leaders out there who are already on the let's just close down all our borders and be isolationist. So where is the together in this moment of isolation? And let's force the together bit and remind people that we're not in categories. You guys aren't disabled people and I'm not a disabled person. We are all people with a whole load of things in our life. We are women and men. We are in good marriages and bad marriages. We have mental health and not mental health. We're good at some things and bad at others. We have sadnesses and so on. And if we can explore those and bring them to the top of the conversation, instead of simply narrowing it down to us all as passive to what the media dictates, let's take it on. Let's be leaders. And we need leaders at a time like this. And what I noticed in places like Sierra Leone or during the earthquake in Nepal, is the leaders aren't the people you expect. It's the children's groups in Nepal who said, damn it, we are going back into this school and we're going to pull boulders up ourselves. And it's the those young people I was describing who, when we emailed, 350 young Sierra Leoneans overnight emailed back and said, when can I go to the front line? Knowing that the least safe place to be. What is that leadership in this? And let's encourage it. And SIA can't be a charity that just does things. We've got to become now an association, as we're meant to be, of all the organizations and all of the individuals who want to gather a voice to say, we're here and this is what we're doing. And so let, let's get this to be a chance to change the rhetoric, which is so important at a moment like this in crisis. I love what you say. It's so powerful. And I completely agree with you. And it, it, it is that chance. We are seeing that. Uh, and that's, I think, the, the hope I feel. I don't know about you guys, but I, I do feel it. I feel there's an opportunity here for marginalized groups that otherwise get put back to come to the forefront and, and change the world, <laughs> quite simply. Note on that in Ireland, the um, the health service was under so much pressure, and when they closed the bars and everything, something like one hundred and twenty thousand people were made unemployed in a day. Um, and there was, but what did the Irish people do? Uh, they a, a call went out for um, people to you know to come on board the health service to to help with this crisis, and they got twenty four thousand people overnight to volunteer to go on the front. And it's wonderful to watch other people, best practices from other places, isn't it? That's an amazing initiative. And why isn't everyone doing it? And I, I had a call yesterday with a, a bunch of people, uh, again, another conference call with a group of people from all over the world. There was Indians represented, South Americans. There was someone from Kenya, loads of different countries. And they're all saying, right, what about you? What is your country doing? What's your country doing? And so in the same way that we can look to groups um, to see how they, individual groups within the communities are responding, we can look to each other, different countries and learn from each other and that is wonderful I think so inspiring to to help each other in that way I just that that helping each other it keeps coming back to that people you don't expect to be able to help can help and I love that absolutely and I think the your hashtag together in isolation Nick is a great one and I think we should we we will we will use that um and we'll use it for cafe and everything because we just think that that's that's what we need to be saying at the moment and any of the listeners out there follow the hashtag use the hashtag um, and let's all support each other and any ideas that you have about this come to the cafe um, by uh, emailing what's the email Gracie? It is thisisspinalcrap at gmail.com and I think our first cafe is 
going to be uh, Tuesday, 24th of March at 3 p.m. Brilliant. So we're going to we're going to get that together. So if everybody just emails says they want to get in touch, and we will tell you how to do that. Um, I'd love to listen to both of our guests for about another hour or so, but I know that we can't. But we do have to have a game because you know this is photograph if we didn't have a game. have been kind of um, a bit lame and people have been <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a new one we've got a new one um, how do people feel about quizzes oh my god oh dear <laughs> oh dear go on then okay okay right we'll we'll edit out any embarrassing moments <laughs> <laughs> okay so this game is you're going to have one minute to get as many correct answers as you can. Sophie, I'll start with you, just being ladies first. Um, if you don't know the answer, just say pass. Um, and now we normally give the amazing Spinal Crap mug to winners of our games. But as we're recording this remotely, we'll have to owe you one. <laughs> so <laughs> I owe you for a Spinal Crap mug. So Sophie, um, right, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, let me, I'm going to do this very seriously. I'm going to start a, a countdown clock. Who discovered gravity? What? Oh, Isaac Newton. Who is Reg Dwight better known as? Elton John. What are birds of a feather said to do? Like together. What was the first food to be rationed during World War II? Oh, good question. Sugar? Yes. What band was once called the Quarrymen? I don't know. Oh my gosh. Pass. What do the letters UHT and a carton of milk stand for? Oh, God, we had this argument the other day. Oh, <laughs> I can't remember it. Uh, Afrikaans originated with which European language? Oh, Dutch. Neuropathic, phantom, psychogenic and incident are all types of? Pain. Name Victoria Beckham's husband. <laughs> David Beckham. Who is the CEO of the Spinal Injuries Association? Nick Hartley. What is 14 plus 99? Oh, you... I can't do maths. Oh, 99. So 100, 113? Yeah, very good. Okay, oh girl. That was very impressive. I was very impressed. I'm very impressed with maths. I, what was the band question? Or is that going to uh, be... The Beatles. So yeah, you discovered gravity was Isaac Newton. That one, Elton John was right. Flock together was right. Sugar was right. I was very impressed you got that. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> UHT is ultra heat treated. That's what it was. Yeah, you were right. Hands, Dutch. Yes, pain. Yes, David Beckham. Yes, Nick Hartley. And yes, 113. You've got nine. Yay. I'm amazed. That is brilliant. <laughs> Are you ready, Nick? No, not after that. You're on, Nick. I'm fighting you for that mug. <laughs> Which swimming stroke is named after an insect? Butterfly. Which country does Pavarotti come from? Italy. What is a female deer called? Doe. Aside from Ruth and Grace, name any two members of the Spinal Crap team. Oh my goodness. Well, if I didn't get one of my bosses, Mark Henderson, he would never speak to me again. Um, I know some first names, Ian, yeah. Chris. Perfect. Yeah, brilliant. What was Elvis Presley's middle name? Uh, Nick. <laughs> what are dried plums called? Um, prunes. What was the name of the first manned lunar mission in 1969? Apollo 13. Mm, who invented the rabies vaccination? Absolutely no idea. Name Jada Pinkett Smith's husband. Sophie Morgan. Which of these was never rationed during World War II? Cheese, tea or bread? Tea. Which Formula One driver holds the record for the most Grand Prix wins? Schumacher. What is the capital city of Spain? Madrid. And name Jada Pinkett Smith's husband? No idea. Smith? Jada Pinkett Smith? Mr. Smith. Mr. Smith. <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> we give you a half point for that. So, um, so the, yes, you got the swimming stroke of the butterfly. Pavarotti is from Italy. A female deer was called a doe. You got that, didn't you? Um, yeah. Aside from Ruth and Grace, yes, you did. You mentioned Mark and Ian and Chris. So well done. 
what was Elvis Presley's middle name? It was actually Aaron. Um, what are dried plums called? Are prunes? It was Apollo 11. Um, the rabies vaccination was Louis Pasteur. Um, Jada Smith's husband was Will Smith, but we're going to give you half a point for that. Um, the, what was never rationed during World War II was actually bread. Um, oh. And which Formula One driver, Michael Schumacher, you got that correct? And what's the capital city of Spain, Madrid? Guess how many you got? Less. No, you got nine as well. No! Yeah. <laughs> so we, we're going to have to, yeah, we're going to have to cut the mug in half. <laughs> I'll take the handle. You can take the mug. There's the nice side with the spinal crap logo, or there's the rude side with the poo emoji. So <laughs> you, know, you, can, you can choose. I know. So we owe you both a mug. Um, which we will get out to you once we're allowed to get to post offices or visit you uh, in the future. Before we leave, can we, um, we normally have a question from the public and we can't do that at the moment because we are, you know, got this together so quickly that we just didn't have time to roll that out. So what we will do instead is ask each of you to give us a song that we can add to our playlists over the coming week to keep us all in good form. Oh, I thought this, um, I thought of a funny one. Uh, oh, Sting, as it Sting or the police, don't stand so close to me. Brilliant. <laughs> mm, good things can only get better <laughs> very good Gregory. um i've been listening to a lot of song by Pamela called hard times which is quite fitting but it's very upbeat so it's and i this is probably not a particularly funny one but i thought it was nice as van morrison's days like these oh lovely <laughs> okay gracie how can people get in touch they can email us at thisisspinalcrap at gmail.com. Um, they can get in touch with us on Instagram at thisisspinalcrap or our uh, Twitter, which is Spinal Crap Show, or our Facebook, which is This Is Spinal Crap. Brilliant. And of course, we want people to, to come to the cafes and we can talk a bit more. And Nick, how can people get in touch with SIA? So for all the advice to talk to nurses, support, counselling, et cetera, et cetera, go to 0800 9800501. Um, for all the information that we've been talking about, it's our normal website, spinal.co.uk, and then it's slash learn slash coronavirus, or if you just put SIA and coronavirus, I'm sure you'll find it. Um, and then you can also email our main email, which is on our website, um, which I've terribly forgotten, but I believe it is sia at spinal.co.uk. Brilliant. And Sophie, remind us how we can follow you or anything coming up that you want to let us know about. Um, yeah, so uh, my Instagram, L, the letter L, S-O-P-H-L-M-O-R-G, Morg. I'll be on there quite a lot, sharing stuff from the community out, you know, just as much as I can. Um, what else is going on? I got on and on Twitter, I'm Sophmorg TV. Um, and that's probably the best places to get me. Nothing particular to plug in just now, just um, because I mean, work is a funny one. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I don't need a bit out of that up in the air, but yeah, those are the best places. Okay, brilliant. Listen, thank you both so much. That was a great conversation. I'm really looking forward to carrying it on um, and, and talking to other people. Um, we will say goodbye for now, but not for long. So, guys, thank you so much for joining us. And we look forward to speaking to you all again very soon. Um, until next time, this is Final Crap. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to This Is Spinal Crap and thank you to our sponsors Coloplast. If you like this week's show, please be sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. 